Lord God, just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. I thank you for the opportunity just to be with other men, be sharpened, um, and hear from you. Just incline our hearts to you and um, wake us up and uh, give us sensitivity to what you have to teach us this morning and unite our hearts and just um, help us to be increasingly satisfied in you and you alone. Um, Just bless this time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, so backing up just a little bit, you remember last week, so the Medes and Persians have surrounded the city of Babylon, and you've got Belshazzar with his big feast. And you've got um, the handwriting on the wall, and Daniel interprets the handwriting on the wall. And, um, and, uh, and then you have Belshazzar dying, and then the city being turned over to the Medes and Persians. And so uh, at that point, then you have this new government that's come into place. And you see references there in Daniel 6 this morning to a guy named Darius. And so there's a little bit of debate about who that's actually referring to. We know it's not Darius 1 that you read about later on in Daniel. So there's some speculation that it refers to King Cyrus, who was over the entire Persian Empire. Or it might have been the name of the conquering general, the guy who had besieged the city and ultimately um, captured the city. So we're not sure, but we know that it's a, a new government that's installed. And, uh, and then we pick up the story. And what's interesting is... We've seen this trajectory with Daniel from chapter 1 all the way to 6, right? And so we've seen him start out as this young exile from Judah who comes in to Babylon, and, and, uh, and then he rises through the ranks, and he becomes part of the, the king's court, and then he becomes one of the wise men, and then he becomes chief of the wise men, and then he becomes you know, third in command of the city. And so there's this trajectory of excellence, and you see it uh, referenced in here as a spirit of excellence. And so, you know, Daniel's got this Colossians 3.23 mindset in terms of work. I mean, he's just working as unto the Lord. He's excelling and he's being recognized and affirmed all along the way, even by these conquering kings who would have viewed him really as a second-class citizen, being a foreigner and an exile. Um, And so anyway, so now you have him as one of three supervisors over 120 other governors. And in verse 3, we read that the king intended to make Daniel the number one guy. And so he's on track to be uh, over the entire kingdom, and, uh, and obviously that makes some people mad around him, right? And so you have this group of conspirators then that go about trying to frame Daniel and basically take him out. And so as I was reading Daniel 6, and, you know, and particularly this passage about him confronting these lions, I got to go back and look through all these other chapters of Daniel and just all these sort of tipping points in his life where he was um, confronted with an opportunity to compromise his faith. And I, I looked for some themes there, you know, themes that we could apply in just our daily walk and our jobs. And so I pulled out a few of those. And, and um, the first one was that Daniel practiced integrity. And so it's interesting because if you read verse 4, and if you have your Bibles, open them up. And let's take a look at verse 4 together. And it says, at this, the administrators and the satraps, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, another word for governors, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Right? And so the first place these conspirators go to try to trap Daniel is where? To his job, his work, how he conducted himself, the excellence of his work product, his work ethic, um, his relationships, and all those sorts of things. And, um, and what does it say? But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt 
which indicates a heart issue, right? So he's not corruptible in the sense that he could be bribed or bought or uh, maybe there was they were trying to target him with some illicit relationship or something like that. They couldn't get there, nor was he negligent. So they couldn't find anything in his work ethic or anything else to attack. And so where did they go? Verse five says they look they look to his religious faith, his commitment to his God. They were looking for the one place in Daniel's life where he wouldn't waver, where he wouldn't compromise. And so they were looking for the one place where he would be the victim of his own integrity. And I don't know about you guys, but man, I read that passage and and, and I, I mean, right off the bat, I was like, man, you know, could my enemies, if they were looking at me and trying to take me down, would they have to look to my faith or could they find something else? And so um, question number one this morning is, would your enemies have to do the same? Are you practicing integrity? And for Daniel, there was no double standard, right? So Daniel wasn't a, a come to church on a Sunday morning and live life differently during the week. Daniel was a guy that just exuded, you know, the presence of God. And so in his relationships and um, how he conducted himself, um, he integrated life and work. And so they had to attack him on the spiritual issue. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, do I integrate faith and work? Is my life above reproach? Um, would my enemies have to frame me in the same way? So picking up the story then, the conspirators get the king to issue this 30-day order, right? Making the, all the prayers in the kingdom have to be directed to the king. Either as a deity himself or more likely as a conduit to the deities that they served at this time. And so, of course, they, they play to the king, they flatter him, and he signs this order. But what's interesting is, although this order sets the king up as a deity... He wasn't able to revoke his own law, right? And so he's not much of a deity, right, if he can't revoke his own law. And, uh, and it's funny because this week as I was reading some stories about celebrities and some of the sports guys that we have around here, and I was thinking, man, you know, every time we set up humans to be, you know, something more than they are, or we, or we put them in a place where they don't belong, you know, they're going to fail. They're going to disappoint us because they're human. And so just a great, a great reminder of, you know, putting... People in the proper place. But anyway, I just thought that was funny. And the second theme that I pulled out was that Daniel practiced prayer. And then when, when I talk to you guys about prayer, man, I'm, I'm pointing the finger back at myself. And, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But all through Daniel, this is modeled, right? I mean, we saw it really predominantly in Daniel 2 when the king issues the death warrant and uh, sends out the guys to start executing their, the, the wise men. Daniel goes to the king and buys time. And then what does he immediately do? He rounds up the guys around him and then he goes to pray. And just a great model of walking with the Lord. And by this time, Daniel's about 80 years old. So he's walked with the Lord in a constant habit of intentional prayer. So these are not one-off prayer times as, as he's you know, commuting to work, probably just walking to work or whatever it is. I mean, these are intentional times, three times a day, where he's getting on his knees before his creator. And he's seeking the Lord's will because he put the relationship with God above everything else. And so he's prioritizing his life and he's making it an intentional part of his day and a commitment. And as I was um, getting ready for this, I came across this quote in this Don Carson book, How Long, O Lord, and it's really good. It's kind of long, but it's, it's so uh, appropriate, I think. And it says, the degree of our peace of mind is tied to our prayer life. This is not because prayer is psychologically soothing, but because we address a prayer answering God, a personal God, a responding God, a sovereign God whom we can trust with the outcomes of life's confusion. I bet you that's how Daniel viewed prayer. 
Right? He's in relationship with a personal God on a daily basis. And it's just part of a relationship. And we learn with time that if God in this or that instance does not choose to take away the suffering or utterly remove the evil, he does send grace and power. And this is important because, I mean, time and time again through Daniel we've seen him come to the Lord in prayer, um, tipping points and opportunities to compromise his faith, and God's just been miraculous in delivering him time and time again. But we also know that there is godly, faithful men that pray all the time for deliverance from particular situations or in life and death situations where God chooses not to step in and miraculously deliver them. And so this is so true that when in those situations he does send grace and power, and we know in Romans 8 that he works those things to, to his good and his glory. So the result is praise, and that, of course, is itself enjoyable in exactly the same way that lovers enjoy giving each other compliments. I cannot tell you how many times... I had visited some senior saint who was going through serious suffering, perhaps terminal illness, only to come away feeling that it was I who benefited from exposure to a believer who was already living in the felt presence of God. Already living in the felt presence of God. And I, I was thinking, you know, do folks that rub elbows with you guys walk away feeling like, man, there's a guy who lives in the presence of God, who's in a constant prayer Right, Pray without ceasing, an intentional prayer with, with the Lord in a way that I, I walk away feeling like, man, I've just experienced the presence of God myself. That's Daniel. And here, you know, Daniel knew that Darius had signed this order. Right? So he had a decision to make. So he could have gone home, right? He had 30 days. So he could have gone home and, as it was his practice, to open the windows and pray towards Jerusalem. I mean, he could have just left his windows closed. For 30 days, right? Or he could have gone into his, you know, prayer closet somewhere. Or, you know, in that 30 days, maybe he would have taken a prayer walk. You know, taken his prayer elsewhere. Um, and, you know, God would still be God and Daniel would still be a ruler. You know, but God would know and Daniel would know that there was compromise there. And the people around him who knew that he had this habitual practice of prayer would have known. And so, God, so at that point, you know, Daniel had a choice to make in that moment. And he made it. And he threw open the windows and he, and he prayed. And he chose to be faithful. And so this principle is evident all throughout Daniel, which is, man, if we are to be men of God who are able to face lions, man, we've got to be men of prayer. And, you know, and this, again, points back to me. I've just been kind of going through this difficult time, you know, where it seems like, you know, as our schedules get busier and busier, it seems like intentional prayer time kind of slips. And the danger, you know, on the ministry side of things is that we, because we're involved in public prayer so much, I mean, we pray with our teams and we pray with staff and we pray during meetings with you guys and we pray all through the day that sometimes we can get in this sense of that we're in a devotional prayer life with the Lord and we're not. And so I've had to kind of begin scheduling appointments on my calendar and holding to them just as I would any other relationship to be intentional with the Lord. And so um, I don't know if you're there struggling with that, but man, um, that might be something for you guys. And I just finished this book actually last week. The timing of this was so great because I finished this book by Bill Hybels called Too Busy Not to Pray. I don't know if any of you guys have read that. Great book. And just some practical things about prayer time that Bill Hybels does. And one of the things that he does is he journals as he prays. So he makes a prayer journal and he writes, and then he can go back and see how the Lord's been faithful in those instances to answer those prayers. And then this is interesting. So uh, what I find myself kind of doing sometimes is studying and then praying and 
you know, but not really giving God time to, to respond and just talk to me. And so one thing that I'm going to adopt from, from his practice is he gets to the end of his journal and he just writes an L and he circles it. And, he, and that's his time to just put his pen down and listen. And so he takes 15 or 20 minutes and just listens to God during that time. And what he says is the most transformative times in his spiritual life have come in those times. The times when he's gotten his best ministry ideas have been in those times. And so, man, I would just challenge you guys as I'm challenging myself. Man, let's take some time and just be intentional. Just like we, when we talk to our wives, we've got to give them an opportunity to talk back, right? It's just part of the relationship. So, man, take that and, and, and use that. And we don't accidentally become godly, right? That's the other thing is, you know, just be, being intentional with the prayer life. And Daniel's a great model. And so the, the second question this morning is, are we being, uh, making prayer a priority? Just a habitual, regular, intentional um, prayer. All right, so back to the story. So you guys know they haul Daniel before the king for violating this order. You know, the king is reluctant, right? And, and Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3, you know, he was angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and wanted to throw him in the furnace and stoke it up. Um, here, the king's reluctant. There's a relationship there with Daniel. And so, I mean, he, he loves Daniel and doesn't want to throw him into the, into the lion's den. But you guys know the story. He does, and he seals it, throws him in, and then spends a fitful night. And comes back the next morning and calls to Daniel and Daniel's there. He's unscathed, he's unscarred, and he comes out and he gives praise to God. Um, and then the king turns on the conspirators, right, and throws them in. And so, lest you're a you know, skeptic and you think somebody may have fed the lions right before they threw Daniel in, uh, this passage in gory detail says that they throw the conspirators in and their families, right? They don't want to make, they want to make, the king wants to make sure there's no avengers. That grow up, right? And so throw them in, and, and the passage says that they're devoured before they even hit the ground. So you've got some, some hungry lions. And, you know, and here again, as is the pattern in these other chapters, Daniel gives all the glory to the Lord. Um, and then the, the king here issues an edict throughout the entire kingdom of Persia, which is much larger than what it was before the conquest of Babylon. And so you have a Gentile king praising Daniel's Lord and sending out this edict. And so, guys, I just say, man, you know, for Daniel... His theology had consequences. And you know, you've heard it said around here, man, we are all theologians. We all have a view of God, right, that, that then infuses everything that we do, our relationships and our work life and um, what we choose to do with our time, our priorities and how we align ourselves. And so for Daniel, his theology had consequences. And he was willing to be thrown into the lion's den for that. Okay, so do this for me. Did everybody get a card when you came in? Anybody need a card? Bobby's right back there, so he can hand you one if you need it. So <clears throat> I was thinking through what would be a quick little, a great little exercise to jumpstart our small group time this morning. And so take that card if you have it, or a pen. Anybody need a pen? Okay. And so let me set this up. So this particular text doesn't really talk about fear on the part of Daniel. But if you look back at Daniel 2, when they pray for deliverance, you see a little bit of that, right? And you see, and it's just hard for me to imagine um, Daniel as he's about to pray, and he knows the king's edict, and he knows that his potential fate is in the lion's den. There's got to be a moment of truth, right, where he considers the cost. And so then I look back, and the beauty of going through the journey, and I hope you're tracking with us on the journey, because we're finishing up Isaiah, and we're going into Jeremiah, and those guys... Are, are around this same time. So, if you, in fact, if you read on to Daniel 9, he talks about how he's learning from Jeremiah that the period of exile is going to be 70 years and some of that. 
But what's interesting to me is that you have this godly people who are continually in a state of forgetfulness, right? And so they always have to be constantly reminded of God's um, blessing and his favor and just his faithfulness. And so time and again, it's, I mean, in fact, I've even just circled as I've gone through Isaiah, all the places where it says, remember God's faithfulness, recall how I took care of you, Re, you know, remember, recall, remember, recall. It's all through there. And so I was just thinking about, um, you know, uh, how in our own lives we just have to be remembered. We just have to remember and be reminded of God's faithfulness. But on this card, um, write down on one side just the line that you're facing right now. You know, you might be struggling with something, you know. Um, and for me, I'll just, you know, just in, in total authenticity right now, we're struggling with my, my oldest son. He's been diagnosed with ADD, which has caused some academic issues at school and, and caused some friction with some teachers. And so we've been meeting with teachers and meeting with some medical professionals, and he really derives a lot of confidence out of his performance at school. And then you, you put on top of that a layer of just super strong will, and so it makes for some difficult and trying times around the house. And so, you know, I mean, for my wife and I, I mean, we're in the midst of just 30 days of getting on our, getting on our knees and just um, committing to God, committing him to God and just reminding ourselves that we're just called to be intentional um, disciplers of our kids and do what we can. But ultimately, the results are up to God. I mean, so, you know, if I wrote my line down on the card, it would be. Probably a fear of a prodigal kid, you know, and a few years from now, I mean, am I going to be in Jay Burns' prodigal ministry? Maybe. Um, but we're, we're working through that and we're reminding each other and being reminded by folks in community with us of God's faithfulness in that. So write on your card the lions that you're facing right now. And I don't know, you know, where you are. It might be related to a, a job situation. It might be a promotion, you know, that's coming up or maybe one that you got passed over and you're. You've got some bitterness there to deal with. Or maybe it's a fear of a hard conversation with someone. Or maybe it's a fear of um, really seeking the Lord's will for your life. It might mean a vocation change. Been there. Um, Or it might be just a fear of sharing your stuff, your struggles with other guys. And I'll just tell you a quick story. A couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with a guy up here at Watermark, not a member, uh, and uh, a professional guy. And, you know, he'd been successful. Uh, and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, his business was not doing well. His marriage was taking a hit. He derived a lot of value from his ability to earn income and provide for his family. And that was causing friction in the marriage. It was causing issues with his kids. His kids didn't respect him. And so basically his world is just coming around around his ears. And then he says to me, hey, you know, it might be easier just to just, you know, take my own life. You know, and so we talked through that. And so. Then he tells me about some watermark people that he's, you know, peripherally associated with. And I'm like saying, hey, bro, you know, reach out to these guys. These are faithful men who would love to come alongside you that live near you. And he said, no, 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 I can't do that. You know, his biggest fear out of all of that was just his um, desire not to let people know that he didn't have it all together. And so, man, don't do that. You know, write your, you know, uh, write your line down on this card. And then what I'd like for you to do is flip it over and then write down a couple of ways, one or two ways that you've just seen God faithful in your life. You know, how have you seen him? And maybe it's in this last week. Maybe it's been at other times in your life. But I think it's so important as you face those lines and as this guy was in the middle of a storm going on, um, he needed to be reminded of God's faithfulness, just both from his word and from his personal experience, you know. 
Again, we've been talking about practicing integrity in prayer. We need to practice remembering. You know, and in Daniel 1, Daniel had these personal experiences. You know, it was the food issue in chapter 1. It was with the king. Uh, and then it was with, um, you know, all these things in these chapters, the dream interpretations and uh, multiple times. And then the handwriting on the wall and just all these faithfulness, uh, ways that God had been faithful. So right on the other side, how you've seen God faithful in your life. And we want to celebrate that, the Lord's faithfulness. And so now when you go to your groups, man, I want you to just share these, these cards, the things that you've said in these cards with your small group. And then you might even just write your name on the card and share that with somebody else in your group. Take each other's card and commit to pray this week for each other. And just see what the Lord will do. All right? All right. So pray with me and then we'll, we'll be released and we'll go get some Chick-fil-A and then uh, hit our groups. Lord God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the life of Daniel and just what he modeled. I just pray that we would be men who practice integrity and men who take prayer seriously and we make time for intentionality and we make a habit of prayer and being in your presence. And I pray that we'd be men that aren't afraid to um, share our struggles and that we would practice remembrance of your faithfulness. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.